Hello and welcome to the Mind Over Matter podcast, and I'm your host, Luke McLean. This is a show where I'll be interviewing experts on all things mental health and well-being, such as mindfulness, resilience, gratitude, taking back the power of your mind, acceptance, and letting go. Powerful and interesting topics that are designed to be able to get you out of autopilot and get you to living a healthier, happier life. Hey there, I'm Luke McLean, and this is episode number two of the Mind Over Matter podcast. This episode, I'm really, really excited to host an incredible young man that I am truly thankful enough to call my mate, an AFL footballer who at the age of 24 is one of the most mature young men that I know. Not only is he a consistent and dedicated player on field and on the training track, but off field he is a true leader. A quietly spoken man, he spends a lot of time working with non-profit organizations helping out in the community. In 2014, though, he was charged with one count of aggravated robbery after an incident in a taxi which resulted in a trial that would leave a cloud over his head and leave his name in the spotlight for years, all whilst trying to make a name for himself and cement a spot in an AFL team. This made him aware that he needed to focus on his well-being and not let things out of his control affect him negatively. So at the time, he started working with a sports psychologist which helped him implement things like mindfulness and cold showers, amongst many others, into his routine. After becoming one of the AFL's most consistent and underrated players, he has worked himself into North Melbourne's leadership group because of his leadership qualities. I'm very, very fortunate to have him join me on the show to talk about all of these things plus more. So let's dive in and talk to Trent DeMont. But first, let's thank our sponsors. Is there something interfering with your happiness or is preventing you from achieving your goals? For me personally, I battled a gambling addiction, depression and anxiety for many years, always trying to fix things myself and not let anyone help me which resulted in more pain and the cycle just continuously repeating itself. BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. You can start communicating in under 24 hours and it's not a crisis line, it's not self-help, it is professional counselling done securely online. The service is available for clients worldwide and you can log into your account anytime and send a message to your counsellor. You'll get timely and thoughtful responses, plus you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions so you won't ever have to sit in an uncomfortable waiting room as with traditional therapy, which is a great way to keep up with therapy while this coronavirus pandemic is around. BetterHelp is committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches so they can make it easy and free to change counsellors if needed. It's more affordable than traditional offline counselling and financial aid is available. BetterHelp wants you to start living a happier life today. Visit betterhelp.com slash mindovermatter, that's better, H-E-L-P, and join the over 700,000 people taking charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. Special offer for Mind Over Matter listeners, get 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com forward slash mind over matter. Well, Trent, thanks for joining me, mate. I've very much been looking forward to this. And as someone that knows you, I'd say reasonably well, I've been really looking forward to being able to dive into some of these questions and, and unlock your brain. So thanks so much for joining me, mate. Thanks for having me, Luke. Absolute pleasure to be here. Um, I've been looking forward to the podcast too, because I know the space you're interested in and I, uh, I'm obviously heavily interested in it as well, so um, can't wait for the next half. 
Good, mates. It might go a little bit longer. It just depends where we go. And I, oh, yeah. you know me, I can go off on a tangent. So yeah, we'll see yeah. how we Don't go. Don't mind a tangent here or there. <laughs> Don't mind a tangent here or there. I'm, I'm open to it. Jump down that rabbit hole and see where we end up. But, um, mate, there's a few things in particular that um, I will try and stick to because I definitely want to be able to pick your brain, particularly on what it's like to be an AFL footballer um, and sort of the the day-to-day, I'd say, grind, and that can be viewed as a positive or negative. I definitely want to focus on resilience and how you've been able to build that because you, you might not be the oldest. What are you now, 24? 24, 24, yeah. 24. You might not be the oldest 24-year-old, but you'd have to be up there, mate, because you're a very wise head on on such a, a young body, I would say. So very keen to to touch on that and, and find out sort of how you've how you've got to the point you are now. Um, I, I, we will dive into a lot of those mental health strategies and, and speak around the mental health stuff um, that obviously we're both very much interested in and then um, really, really want to focus on, I guess, uh, you as not the AFL footballer as well. So are you ready for all of that, mate? Yep. Let's Maybe. do it. So, mate, the first thing I want to talk about is – because I reckon I must have been about four or five, and if anyone ever asked me what I wanted to be, it was to be an AFL footballer. And you know, I'd kick the balloon around in the in my bedroom. I'd kick the footy out any any chance I had, and it was all I ever wanted to be. Um, my entire childhood, that's that was it. There was no other goals through school, just footy and all of that. Was it similar for you, or was it completely different? I think uh, early days, yeah, it was, it was pretty similar. I um, I fondly remember the uh, kicking balloons around the house and mum had a rule, strictly no balls in the house, but I broke it probably every day. Um, <laughs> and, yeah, so, like, as a kid, oh, initially I was going to play soccer. Like, I wanted to play soccer. All my mates at school played soccer, but my cousin just did not want me to play soccer. My older cousin, I looked up to him, so he got me into footy pretty fast. Um, so, yeah, then, yeah, pretty stock standard sort of, Young Australian boy did the the whole Oz kick thing and then um, football all the way through. So yeah, it was a strong dream um, as a kid. That was all that was on my mind really. Um, mm. But then as I become oh, a teenager, yeah, I started to probably get direction. My mum and dad always talked about the Plan B. Got to have yeah. a Plan B. So what, um, what was Plan B? Plan B was to uh, become a physiotherapist. Okay. Um, or, yeah, and well, really just to do well in school. Um, yeah. Passed me year 12, but, yeah, did pretty well at school actually. So that was that was good, but it was a fair bit of riding from mum and dad to make me do that. Yeah. <laughs> because uh, <laughs> was still strong. I started yeah. to take footy really seriously around um, at 14, 15 years old. So that's when the messaging about my plan B got strong too. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I'm glad they did that um, because, yeah, it gave me good balance. And, um, yeah, no, I think it's just important that everyone just has more uh, facets to their life than just uh, one thing because if that gets ripped away, well, then yeah, there's not much to you in the end. Yeah, for sure. So it was around that 14, 15 that you you may have started oh, – maybe realising the dream could be becoming a bit more of a possibility. I'd imagine it was uh, through, you know, development squads and things like that that your talent was probably starting to get identified and, and it was probably just getting a bit closer for you. Yeah, yeah, it was. I still thought I was a bit behind the pack, to be honest. Um, mm. Yeah, there's a lot of, like, 
you get to that age and there's just some there's some man childs and they're uh, they just dominate because of pure size and they're just developed early and um, so I always just worked really hard and yeah was able to perform well um, but yeah like I think that was, that stage was when I was, yeah started to see some signs that um, I enjoyed the pathway I enjoyed playing football at the highest standard that I could. Um, playing against the best and um, yeah it started to become uh, you know something that I really wanted to do um, I guess it really got serious like as a under 17 probably yeah. like, in, in terms of that's when I started to think oh I might actually be on here like um, yeah. I was playing um, reserves footy at Norwood full season there um, played uh, as an underage in the under 18s comp uh, went pretty well, and then at the end of the 17s year, I got uh, put into the AIS team. So um, for this for the second year, which is your draft year. So um, yeah, that's when I guess I was like, "Oop, we uh, we might be mm. getting this thing to work." So Plan B is definitely out of the window at this point. Screw yeah. <laughs> Plan B. <laughs> no, no. Sorry, Mum. Yeah, sorry, mum. <laughs> I gave her a few grey hairs, mum. She's uh, yeah, I wear a few. <laughs> my, my youngest sister's just going through year twelve now, and she just sent a message into the family chat. She said, "I survived the first week of year twelve. Nah, <laughs> I was, excellent. I was like, good on you, mum. <laughs> excellent. Now, nah, mate. Um, and then it sort of yeah would have probably happened pretty quickly for you because. Um, by by the time you're 18, you're playing in an SANFL premiership for Nord, uh, which would have been highly memorable. And I I believe for memory, you had a pretty decent game that that game as well. Um, and then straight away, I mean, from that, you you basically prepare, um, getting prepared to for draft and getting drafted by the Kangaroos, and all of a sudden you're an AFL footballer. Um, it it must have happened pretty quick at that point. What was it like going from being a semi-professional footballer with the dream to then all of a sudden you're on a list? Yeah, well, obviously after the premiership, that was a, like what I worked for the whole year really. Like um, obviously getting drafted was important, but I really just wanted to win a flag with, with Nord and something that, you know, I played for that club for a long time. So um I felt like if I got that done, everything would just sort of fall into place anyway. Um, and, yeah, like after the granny, uh, I then just focused on school. And I really I really put the um, like training and all that in the back seat a little bit. And um, I just studied a lot and probably enjoyed myself a bit too much. So mm. the transition from semi-professional to professional was – I probably made the gap a bit bigger than it should have been because I'm – rocked up in pretty poor shape and stuff but um yeah I, I went I was like got drafted and then four days later I was in Utah um in altitude so trying to run wow. at altitude first day when the blokes had been there for like two weeks was was tough in itself um but yeah it was it was a yeah it was a, it was tough um and I, but I was excited I was eyes open to the the whole thing and um I felt like you know I was I was going to belong at AFL level pretty soon. Um, yeah, you got to. I think you got to have that self belief. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very important. So, yeah, I'll, the transition yeah it was hard and footy. Yeah, footy's a, <laughs> a tough sport, and you got some brutal sessions in there, and especially in the preseason, things get the season can look so far away. 
um, yeah. especially as a young fella. Uh, but yeah, I, I enjoyed the transition. Um, but yeah, like I think semi-professional, um, you have some hard sessions. But I think with AFL, it's the consistency of sessions. Like they just you've got you've had a hard one. You don't rest for a week like you might at semi-professional. You've got another hard one in two days. Yeah, and just, yeah. I was going to, I was, I was going to ask that. Like, what's, you know, I, I sort of didn't quite make it to that level. But what are the main differences, I guess, between, you know, going from from even a, a junior or an amateur level to then a, a state level to then essentially elite um, national level? Like, what are the main differences between those jumps? Um, yeah, it's it's tough because like there's. There's some state level footballers that you know they've. I feel like they and you see it now. Like you see, like look at Kane Lambert and stuff. They have the capacity to play AFL, but they just haven't had the opportunity. Um, mm. But in terms of training standards, um, like obviously intensity and sort of amount of times you're training at those intensities is a, a lot, lot larger. Yeah. So across the board, you're going to have players that are fitter. I'm not saying that it's not players that aren't fit. Uh, at uh, VFL or um, SANFL level, at state league level, but uh, more often than not, the the fitness standards huge. Um, skill level is probably another one. Skill level under fatigue, uh, <clears throat> and probably like the biggest one is like the mind for the game. I find um, ability to stay present and uh, think before the the. Plays have been made. Like plays have been made. Um, that that understanding of game plan and that comes from the amount of meeting. Like it's a full time job, so we're doing a lot of meetings and um, making sure and vision and making sure we know spots to be in and uh, at the right times. Yeah. Um, so just that level of understanding of the game is yeah much more intense. Uh, is there is there a lot of pressure with it? Yeah, absolutely. And I, uh, one thing that you see is like some players that they're not able to cope with that pressure, and they, um, you know, they they fall out of shape like that. You know, the the pressure gets them so they, you know something gives way, and they might not train very hard. And um, when they got picked up, they might have been considered like a super athlete. Um, and then you know that sort of pressure gets them, and then they start you know bringing in some bad habits that, you know, can't – and then they end up falling out of the system. And then they fall out of the system. That pressure of just having to be on top of a lot of things all the time goes and then they turn into um, really healthy, super super fit, dominate the level, but like state league level. And it's just like, well, if I was doing that here, um, that would have been sweet. But sometimes it's just because of the whole pressure of the situation, not being able to deal with the pressure can um, – can cause that and yeah uh, early in my career that was happening to me um and then I, yeah like i really looked into mental strategies how to alleviate stress and all that sort of stuff and sort of for it was sort of forced out of me as well with situations that were going on in my life but i found mm. um yeah if your life balance is good uh, for me i back my football ability if i yeah if i just allow myself to play football stress-free mm. um with a with no doubt uh yeah, yeah, things things work well. So yeah, I, and I, I will. 
Yeah, thanks, thanks, Trent. I want to get I want to get to those those stresses and, and strategies absolutely. Um, so we'll just detour for for just a touch, and um, I want to go back to to twenty fourteen. And look, you were at that point you were charged with an, one count of aggravated robbery. It was a, an incident in a taxi uh, in Adelaide. So you're a young man at this point. You did plead not guilty. You were due to face a trial, which was, I believe it was scheduled in, in 2016. So it was a long period away and then even rescheduled for a further year in 2017. So it was a huge period of time whilst you're trying to make it as an AFL footballer and you're in the spotlight every single day. What memories does that bring back for you and how difficult of a period of life was that for you? Yeah, I think, um, Obviously, like the initial of it happening was super stressful, um, and yeah, that up until twenty sixteen, I was I actually was able to like compartmentalize pretty well. Um, like obviously, I hated it because uh, it was just, I yeah, it was wasn't in the wrong, but um, it just wasn't the situation wasn't leaving. It was dragging on so many, uh, for so long and I was so many weeks and I'd go over there for a five minute, uh, court session for it to be adjourned another few months. And so I was flying back like midweek, uh, for, yeah, these court sessions and, uh, cops wouldn't have, uh, what the, whatever the prosecutors wouldn't have their information ready or, um, Mm -hmm. yeah, Things just weren't falling into place, and I think this happens in the courts a lot. There's a lot of wasted time, so it dragged on for like two and two and a bit years. Um, and yeah, I, as leading into 2016, as I said, I was able to compartmentalise pretty well. But when the trial got postponed, it just it broke me periodically. Um, and that that time, I was just just like really battling. Uh, I was in a dark place, and that, that was for about six weeks and it was only for six weeks as we've done some work together and it was because that I had a 21st it was a surprise 21st I called my 21st like I didn't want any celebrations from the 21st I was I was just over I just wanted to just be alone and just be by myself and just cruise around and wait for this hell to uh, you know sort of blow over um, but yeah family it, I reckon it would have been yeah I think it was April 2016 it's first happened birthday was like June 30. Um, so it was around that time and um, yeah just they threw a surprise party for me it was huge friends family um, everyone was there yeah it was just it just I took a little bit of weight off my shoulders and that's when I was like you know what I need to start looking into ways to deal with this because this could you know hang out for another two years who knows Mm. Um, so yeah and like I didn't nail any pro I didn't become Gandhi all of a sudden there like I it was like still yeah. like a process and mental health is a process you're on a bit of a continuum it comes up and down a bit um so yeah I was just but I started doing the work and I yeah could see you know benefits of it and I mm. felt much better after that and yeah obviously seeing that love for me in the room that night um made the rest of the process pretty easy, but not saying that there wasn't ups and downs. Like uh, to still have to go to trial and then three days in uh, get told while well, everyone realises that the bloke's lying and the judge is ripping his hair out saying this is an embarrassment for the prosecutors um, mm. and then just look back on two and a half years and go, how the, how the hell has this got this far? It's, oh, it's an explicit like, show, mate. You can let it go. Yeah, oh, exactly <laughs> right. So it's just... It was one of those things. I was. It was almost. It was. It was a like. 
by that stage, I was just like almost thinking this is hilarious. Like, mm. <laughs> I, can't, I, can't be, I can't believe like this is the way it is. But uh, it was. And to be honest, looking back on it, I wouldn't change a thing now. Like, I think it's just made me who I am today. And mm. I've learned so much, so much. And, um, and mostly around the mental health space. And I think now it's like I see just how beneficial it is and mm. um, how everybody needs it. And, uh, yeah, I, I think almost I'm, I've got gratitude for that period of my life because it's uh, set me up in good stead for the rest of it, I think. Yeah. I certainly appreciate you sort of going into it and there is a little bit more that I just want to touch on about it. But I think it's um, I think it's very important that – you know that you do look at it um, in a way that it's that you wouldn't change it, and that it has developed who you are today, and that you've grown from. And I think it's an amazing attitude and perspective to have on it. I just want to touch on the point. You you know you mentioned that it it was dark and it was a, a dark period of your life from an outsider's perspective, and you know particularly when I was a lot younger, I looked at AFL footballers as being invincible, and a lot of people still you know, still look at elite uh, athletes as being invincible and that they don't have any problems. And just because they earn, you know, more than the the average Joe Blow that, that's, a, you know, a plumber or a chippy or whatever, that all of a sudden they shouldn't have any problems in their life. Now, it did get dark for you and it, it was hard. What was the rock bottom moment? But more importantly, what sort of thoughts and feelings were you having at that point? Yeah, well, I started like I started to um, contemplate what life would be like if I wasn't around. So, yeah, potentially suicide. But um, I never put any action to it. I just uh, that that thought just started ruminating, and that's yeah. it, was a, it was a real six week period of my life. So I can only imagine what uh, what that would be like for someone that doesn't have that surprise twenty first, and then yeah. has to ruminate ruminate on that thought until. January 20 or 23 when I had the trial, uh, that's that's a terrible headspace to be in. And, sure. and I'm just lu- I'm just super super lucky that because uh, I don't know where that would have led, but that's just that's just where I was at, and that was yeah. a rock bottom moment. And it took me to the 21st to realise, whew, Jesus, that was that was really low, and um, mm. I wish I you know knocked it on the head as early as possible. But obviously yeah. in that headspace, you just think, nah, you're oh. a bit helpless. For so, sure. Um, was it was it you thinking that like was it you just not wanting to put up with it anymore, or was it more that you felt that you were a burden? What, what was the actual feeling that you you started thinking about? Do you remember? Uh, it was yeah. I was just I was just over uh, fact that I just, I just felt like oh I don't know. It's a weird headspace to be in because. Um, rationally thinking like now I'm like well it was going to end eventually but like yeah. I just thought this is never going to end and um, nagged it. my name just keep keeps getting dragged through the mud and whenever something happened there there might just be a little article and um, yeah I don't know it just kept sticking with me and kept triggering yeah I don't know just kept triggering stuff that uh, yeah I, I just felt. <clears throat> I felt like I was, yeah, I did feel like a bit of a burden. Like my, I, the one thing is like one of my, like my why is almost just like to make obviously myself happy, which is, and and that largely revolves around making my family 
and my loved ones happy. So mm-hmm. doing them proud by, you know, showing respect to them by, you know, achieving things in my career and, and like uh, being a good person and all this stuff. And I just felt like I was consistently letting them down. And like behind the scenes, I've seen your mum cry and stuff over stuff that's being said about you. And it's just, there's a lot of things behind the scenes that people don't see. And seeing your family, like, um, you know, live it with you, you don't want, you really don't want them to feel uh, what you're feeling. You just, you want them to, to be super, super like happy. And obviously, that's not how it works. <laughs> but, in my yeah. head, I was like, "Oh, this! I've just uh, two two years of just letting my family down. Like, this is this is uh, and and your mind, your mind's a bit of a is it glues to the bad situations. Like in that time, I debuted in, in like in a game and played some good footy and had had some parties and had some really good times. But you have this ability to just flip them away and just go." All right, I've seen my mum cry, or I've, you know, dad's dad's crying and stuff like this, and it's just like you glue to those moments, and then mm. in that time, you just keep ruminating on those thoughts, and that probably brings me to the, one of my um, mental strategies, is which is gratitude and like daily highlights, and just writing them down because then that it makes you like identify oh, there is good things happening, and yeah. it's really like it's a real mood booster. So, yeah. Um, Man, I, that's, I, that's yeah, I really like. I I can appreciate, even though the space that you're in now, um, you know, is a is a completely different space. It, I I can certainly appreciate how difficult it can be to to kind of try and go back and draw the emotion or the thoughts that you were feeling at that particular time because it's not something that you you like reflecting on too often and, and particularly in that way. So I certainly appreciate you being able to do that. And I hope that, um, I hope that for listeners that can give them strength in knowing that, you know, things can get tough, things can get difficult. Um, really, you know, it, it is about being able to see the light and, and to be able to just continue to understand that, um, you know, that, things can turn around uh, no matter what the situation is. So I thank you for, for being able to um, to go back and, and relive that a little bit for us. Let's talk about those strategies that help you. And I think the best way to do it would be to, to be able to talk about what your, I don't know, whether it's, it is your daily routine um, or other things that you, you do weekly or monthly or whatever it is um, to be able to, to be the best version of yourself that you can be. So what does a daily routine look like for you? Yeah, so um, got a few things I do actually. I <laughs> I, uh, I love this space. Um, well, yeah, first thing in the morning, we were just chatting before about how the cold showers aren't really doing it for us. They're just not moment. cutting it. They're not cold yeah. enough. <laughs> yeah, not cold enough. The uh, cold showers, but that's the. So how, how long you been doing cold showers for, and and when did that? Well, who who brought you into that space? Was it something through the footy club or? Yeah, well, it's actually funny. Like, I was just actually having a shower with um, with uh, Robbie Tarrant, and he was <clears throat> like, I, I was uh, like, I've always like, you know, struggled a little bit with my my skin folds. Well, I did. Sorry, I did um, <laughs> around that time. You know, like probably around like uh, the time where I wasn't really focusing on my footy career. Um, yeah, twenty eighteen. when I really. 2018 is when I started to really nail my mental side of things and started to figure things out. And it's funny, you just uh, when you're clear on your purpose and uh, what you want to achieve, obviously 
uh, everything just aligns and, and you become much more motivated and you know the direction you're going, you know what you need to do to get to where you want to be. And, um, and that's, yeah, started figuring out. Spot on. And just on that, I mean, it's, it's, it's amazing that you can put that down to your profession, but pick absolutely any profession or, or any goal that anyone has to do with anything in their life. If you're clear on it and you're, you're in a clear space, then you're more likely to, to be able to consistently hit that and achieve it. So it's, it's a good point you make. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It's, um, like I've, it's hit like hundred percent. The reason I started playing good football in 2018 is because, and I was played okay football, but inconsistent before that. Yeah. But what I was able to, you know, sort of have a really good year that year and, and last year is because of my mental, mental work. And, um, and yeah, yeah, it's massive. It's massive because obviously on field, you got to be able to stay present, focus on what you're doing and sort of detach emotion to the game. But then, yeah, just in life is to have high energy and uh, be dancing around. That that helps you get the best out of yourself. So, um, yeah, I couldn't speak high enough of what you just said. And, um, yeah, it's good. Uh, but yeah. So back to the cold showers with, cold with shower. Robbie Tarrant, with skin folds of yeah. what would his be? There'd be not much um, there at all, I wouldn't have thought. Yeah, would be sub, sub something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah he's, he's, a, he's a beautiful man. He's a beautiful man. Um yeah, we were just in the showers, and he was saying that I, I just caught the end of this conversation. He was talking about, uh, oh, my brother does cold showers. And some bloke, some bloke uh, reckons if you do cold showers, uh, you you know it's good for your health, and you know it helps you drop fat, and um, you know he like he's got all these records and stuff. And he was actually talking about Wim Hof, and, a great um, man. Uh, and I was like, oh, what's going on here? And I just started, kept talking to him about it. And I, I literally just started doing it off my own back. I didn't research anything about it. But then as time went on, I just started to research a bit more. And like, yeah, so there's a lot of medical professionals that say like, you know, ice, some cold therapies don't work and it's each their own. Like everybody's different. But um, I found it worked for me. It made me feel fresh. Um, I'm, I'm Obviously, a lot of things, it wasn't just cold showers that um, made my health and all that better. But, um, yeah, I, I just felt like starting the morning with a fresh cold shower, like just really wake you up, gets your energy up. And then straight after that, I'll do some breathing uh, techniques, which did a Wim Hof as well. Um, and then meditate and I write down some positive affirmations and gratitude. And then, yeah. That's, so how long how long is that process for you in the morning? Well, it might not be one straight after the other because sometimes we um, do group med- like there's a there's a strong oh, five six seven of us maybe at the club that knock off some meditation each morning. Um, there's a little block out in our program for it. Uh, so sometimes I'll just wait to the club to meditate, but sometimes I'll um, you know, do it at home. But yeah, I find. To get my energy up, uh, cold shower and the breathing technique really work. Um, and then the gratitude, just get a bit of a mood booster in the morning. Gets you, it's amazing. It's got, they've got to be meaningful as well. Sometimes I don't do uh, gratitude because, you know, you can just find yourself writing the same things every now and mm. then. But um, I just really try and you make it like pure and uh, actually from the heart. So, And that really gets, gets me going. And then um, – I do that before bed as well, so I go to bed on a good note, wake up on a good note, 
uh, or or just daily highlights and stuff at the end of the day. I think you know, what was what was good because as as I said before, your mind can just glue to all the bad events that happen throughout the day. Could kick ten, but you always and thinking about that point that you might have <laughs> might have or that shank out in the floor or something. You just have your mind has the ability to do that pretty well. So yeah, um, yeah. So you just got to identify all the all the good things, and it's amazing how. Uh, that just changes your like changes your brain chemistry and just uh, you begin to identify these things much better in day to day life without having to write them down and stuff. Mm, absolutely, and yeah, massive advocate for that myself. So I um, yeah, appreciate you sharing that. And I think you know when you when you really think about it, your your consistency has been like, tremendous um, over the last couple of couple of seasons, and it's you know it's incredible that you well not incredible, but it's it's cool that you put it down to um getting your mental state right and i remember a conversation that um that we had about how you um how you practice mindfulness um during a game at times do you remember the conversation that we had about that or is uh, there is there I a situation that you so I, I do remember telling you i do yeah. remember telling telling you um, about that and i do um if you ever find if i've ever find myself you know, getting a little bit lost in the game, and you know that that happens. Uh, that's what the mind does. It. Uh, so how how would you do it? Like how would you? So just for people that essentially haven't, you know, they, they may not have ever practiced mindfulness, or they think it's still wacky or, or whatever. How do you? How does it help you? And and sort of how do you do it during a game? Yeah. So I guess if you just briefly explain the brain, there's like the I guess. Real basic smart brain is like, you know, all the extent, like frontal lobes and stuff like that. And then this uh, survival brain is like the real inside part of the brain where all your blood goes, and that's the fight or fight uh, response. And um, obviously when you get in a panic uh, or, you know, you've flustered out on field, uh, that survival brain used to obviously be for when we see threats, back in caveman days and dinosaurs chasing you or whatever, like real threats. But now, obviously, over time, we've developed and we see threats out of many different things, like many people see threats and might see it. I, for a while, they actually, um, in that time in the past, uh, around my court case, when my phone rang, I used to be like, oh, Jesus, what's this all about? <laughs> so um, that, yeah. yeah got, so got you to that heightened state just like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, um Obviously, on field, there's a lot of situations that can do that for players too. So if I'm ever feeling that way, and that's where mindfulness is important because it's an awareness piece. So like you've got to realize when your mind's wandering and you've got to bring it back to the present. And so obviously, I've realized that I'm in that state and then to get the blood flow to other parts of my brain that aren't the survival brain, uh, you use your senses. So what can I see? What can I hear? What can I feel? And that has to send blood to other parts of the brain because you need those parts of the brain to actually see and actually hear and feel. So that is a way to just take you out of that heightened state and just calm you down a bit. And there's also some breathing techniques as well, some some belly breathing and all that. So there are two things that I do. I do the see, hear, and feel um, pretty Oh, I did it very, very often in, in that uh, 2018 year. It was one of the technique, first techniques I really worked with um, the sports cycle. Uh, and then, yeah, so over time you just become – I would do it 
I would do it relentlessly though. Like sometimes I'd mm. just do it. Like, you know, I'd do it in the car on the way home. I was practicing it like almost every moment of the day that I was by myself just because I wanted to get good at it. Yeah. And then it, I'll, then I'd become really good at it. And by the end of the game, like I'd, I'd play games in, like in flow and I'd hardly remember the game. So I wouldn't even need to use it. But um started with meditation, getting that awareness and then being able to use that technique it was good on field for me. Yeah, perfect. Absolutely perfect. And uh, yeah, great, great definition and, and description of, of, you know, how valuable it is and, and why you use it, I guess. And, um, you know, I love how important it is to you. And uh, you touched on there developing things with the psych. Um, you know, psychology within the Australian culture has generally been viewed as something that you go to when you're struggling with an issue or, Basically, if you're messed up mentally and, you know, we get that from movies, we get that from, you know, the TV shows we watch and, and watching people lay on lounges with a psychiatrist and these types of things. I feel like the lack of understanding of what a psych- psychologist can actually do um, for people is is severely underrated. So I just want to go back to that. And you mentioned um, that you've got the club psych. How did it come about that you started working with the psychologist and what sort of things do you work on? Um, yeah, so I, I um, like the sports psych, I was really uh, not happy with where my footy was at and I was, I was reading a book um, called Legacy and it's about the All Blacks. This guy like sort of cross references how like the All Blacks what they do in their organisation can apply to people like uh, successful people but successful organisations like whether it be in business or sport or whatever and um, yeah there's obviously that the value work so that's why I was talking about my why and all that before and um, then there was uh, sort of like redhead bluehead sort of stuff and it it just started like challenging my thinking um, about so redhead, bluehead is obviously survival brain or being calm. Um, so redhead is survival brain. So just, yeah, just started like planting seeds in my head about, well, I'm not doing any of this. And I was like not happy with where my footy was at. And I was sort of like, oh, um, <clears throat> hard to explain, but I was, I was sort of figuring out that I was like a little bit my own worst enemy as well. <laughs> like I was, mm. um, I was, I was a bit of a maybe a bit of a blamer, but um, I started to realise like, and I throughout doing meditations and using like the Headspace app, and um, I did like a actually I did this motivation Headspace uh, meditation. There's a motivation meditation. They were saying like, what can you give to the sport? And it was like in the meditation you're like asking that, like mm. just down to nothing. And it's funny your mind just starts giving like throwing out like ideas and stuff and one of the things that come out was like just everything and I was just like oh yeah and and then I just had a realization like when I was younger I used to give everything to the sport to to make it and then I sort of over time you know hit some hard times and sort of lost that lost that um vision of uh how much I wanted it and um I guess yeah so i was like, oh, well, I'm not giving everything in sport. I'm getting in the way of myself. And, um, yeah, also I went and saw the site because I wasn't happy with my footy. And um, like I said, yeah, it used to be – footy used to be an escape for me on the field and now, like, I'm 
I'm getting in these like stressful, like this stressful head, and uh, doesn't feel as yeah, like as releasing as it used to. And and he said, "All right, well, we'll try a few things." And then um, yeah, went. That's sort of how he got there. I don't know if I explained that well, but. No, I think yeah. there's plenty, plenty to take from that, and in particular, get the headspace up and get the um, what was a motivation meditation. Say that ten yeah, times. Yeah, there's, there's about ten. There's about ten in there. It's not too bad. Yeah, too bad. awesome, mate. I was going to ask um, what other things that you utilise, whether it's apps or or books that you recommend, or anything that you anything that you use daily to or whenever to be able to help you, um, and then whether yeah, there's any. Um, books that you've read or, or anything like that that you'd recommend people? Yeah, Legacy is probably uh, the biggest one. Um, I've, I've listened to a lot of audibles as well. Um, just, um, yeah, and I actually can't think of any right now. No, nah, that's all uh, good. I, sort of, I just change through them usually like when I'm driving back to Adelaide or something, I'll just like listen to audible the whole way. Um, yeah, so but mostly like talking about superstar athletes and how they train like it's a book called relentless um and it sort of talks about uh the mindsets of his work this bloke's work with um jordan lebron and the late kobe bryant um and uh yeah he yeah he just talks about how their mindsets are and just why they are great because they just they they are that word they're relentless in their their um way to find it, uh, way to, you know, reach glory and stuff like that. So, um, but yeah, Legacy was definitely the book that sort of changed my thinking around it um, and made me think deeper about my sport. Uh, yeah. yeah. Cool, Good man. Reason. Thanks for that. Appreciate it. What's, um, what about outside of footy? Like we've obviously spoken about a lot of the stuff you do for your, for your mental game, but you know, what other, what other things are you passionate about and, and sort of what's next for or I guess we're now going to plan B. I get you've got a long time left in the game, so I won't wrap you up short. But what what's next for come you? On, and, mate, come on, <laughs> you at least another ten years, mate. With this, oh, um, with the way you're good, going. Good. <laughs> now, what what's next for you, and what else are you working on outside of footy? Yeah, so um, obviously, I've got I've got uni, which I've sort of jumped around a few different a uh, few different courses. I've done a, I've actually did. You're there everywhere. Um, I've gone from physio because uh, I did physio in my first year. Didn't like it. Went to um, which I'm glad I, I found that out because I reckon if I didn't have footy, I would have just gone straight through with it. Yeah, and then probably not liked it when I got experience. Um, but I sort of could see firsthand the experience that like our physios work super hard. Like they they, they are they're guns. So. Um, at the time, I thought eh, maybe that's not for me, <laughs> and, and I, then I thought can, the construction injury, industry, and I sort of realised didn't really have much of a uh, idea about construction. And then <laughs> just a good uh, idea at the time. Yeah, it was just a good idea at the time, and then uh, so I did a couple of subjects there, and then I um then I thought, well, what are you actually passionate about, Trent? Um, and it's about obviously, yeah making others happy that that's like one of my highest excitements like bringing joy to the lives of others by make them making seeing them improve by like an influence of mine like if i can help them steer them in the right way so i've done a bit of mentoring in the past and um i love my volunteer work so uh yeah so sort of thought down the line of like a player welfare manager or stuff um so i've done 
I've done a few diplomas and stuff along the way, just sort of uh, top up stuff, uh, leadership and management and stuff like that. But also now I'm just doing an applied management bachelor, and um, yeah, that sort of like gives you a broad, uh, you know, you can move into a lot of roles from there and specify. But it's sort of just a starting point. But yeah, like my passion is like helping others, and I'm going to start doing like a little internship with uh, Red Dust, which is um, yeah, obviously a community runs uh, organisation that runs uh, healthy living programs for uh, Aboriginal communities up in the top end, so well up in um, Northern Territory and uh, TV Islands and Darwin and all that. I went on a <clears throat> I went on a well, I went two weeks in the uh, desert, a place called Yundamu and a place called Kintor, and I absolutely loved it. Um, obviously I've wanted to know more about um, Aboriginal culture and sort of didn't know how to get into it and then I did through uh, the AFLPA and a couple of people that did the trip before me and um, Will Minson who's our rut coach he was on the board there and uh, yeah I I went and then I absolutely loved it and now I'm just trying to help out at the office trying to get sponsorships and stuff like that um, to help fund it well, hopefully, hopefully this show, mate, hopefully there'll be someone listening that can chip in a heap of money. So yeah, yeah, hopefully we're going to have about... about 100 leads that I have to uh, start calling. So um, <laughs> that, that'll be a different look. That's also like uh, because it, it sort of intertwines with my um, bachelor as well. So like, um, you know, the this business, you know, working in the boardroom and trying to, you know, set up deals and stuff like that is something that I could work move into. Uh, mm-hmm. With this uh, with this course that I'm doing, but also um, I think my real passion is yeah the welfare side of side of things. So yeah, yep. I think that's great to see, mate. And like you know, I sort of brought up leadership, and it's kind of filtered in. You can kind of see for such a young man. I, I think you can see how much, how passionate you are to be able to not just get the most out of yourself, but to be able to to help others. Um, whether that's through your experiences or, or whether it's just through your your empathy, and I think, um, yeah, it's great to see. And I think whatever you you do choose to do, whether you keep jumping around, mate, honestly, it's it doesn't it doesn't matter. I think if you um, just apply yourself to whatever it is, you're gonna you're gonna do some great things. And yeah, I really want to thank you for for taking the time, and and in particular going going back and reliving some of those moments because I know it's not easy to do so. So thanks so much for, for all of your insights, mate, and I'm sure I'm sure everyone listening would have got a lot from that. So thanks again. Luke, absolute pleasure. That was uh, that was awesome. I, I enjoyed it. Got a, I'm buzzing at the moment, actually. It was a, it was a good chat. So Excellent um, to hear, mate. Go go do some breathing and, and jump in a cold shower to finish off. <laughs> yeah, well, it's a bit muggy over here in Melbourne. The weather's gross, so I might need to get in the ice bath. Thanks, mate. (laughs) And as always, don't forget to subscribe so you can be notified when new episodes are released. And if you like what you hear, we would love for you to leave a review. And if you don't like what you hear, simple, don't leave one. Trent, mate, thanks again so much for joining the Mind Over Matter podcast and sharing your experiences and insights. I truly appreciate it and am really, really thankful for it. 
On the next episode, I interview Lululemon Legacy Ambassador and multi-KX Pilates studio owner, James Treneri, who within 24 hours effectively went from having thriving studios to having empty businesses due to COVID-19. We are going to discuss how he went from doubt, feeling down in the dumps to seeing opportunity and now super excited, plus much, much more. So tune in to the next episode with James and I. Thanks so much for listening to the Mind Over Matter podcast show. I'm so thankful for all of our listeners. We want to keep producing content you want to hear. So we would love to hear your feedback. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram and Facebook for all of our latest updates. Stay safe, stay healthy, and much love from me to you. Catch you next time.